0: All right, as everyone's coming in, I'm going to read the spiel. Heavily flawed individual. www.onthewakerradio.com, 24-7-365. Shout out to my producer, Cindy Ashby. Replays can always be found on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and Anchor for the replays. Yo, it's a lot of motherfuckers going live today, tonight. I forgot Mondays is heavy heavy live stream Mondays for everybody and their mama, so... <laughs> but, you know, I don't give a fuck about that shit. Um, Delicia, hey. I'm just gonna wait for a couple of people to, to file in and then I'm gonna get right into it because it's a, it's a lot for me to go over this particular chapter. Uh, Mr. Demetrius, thank you, hey. Um, oh, oh, for real? Really? Lorville Word? Wait a minute, let me... Let me open this up a bit. Hold up. Bow. Okay. Really, bro? I didn't... I didn't... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, shit. It's like... uh, I mean, it's almost like required reading to a certain extent. You know what I mean? Um, Do I like pistachio? No. Save sanctified. I see you, brother. Oh, I was always, always. K-Mac. Yeah, I'm... A, I'm. A, listen, so I'm gonna cover chapter two. And then, um, like a couple of days like later on this week I'll cover uh it's only like three chapters I want to go over. I mean the whole book is a good read, but there's three important chapters that for if you ever get into an argument with a with anybody when it comes to the slavery shit, you you hit them with these three chapters, the the the, the fight is over. Okay? So I'm going to equip y'all for those that don't have access to this book. Oh, yeah, 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 Martina, you're right. Um listen, and they price it that way for a reason. You know? Yeah. This book a few years ago at one point was about 4 grand on Amazon, and then a few years later it dropped down to a grand. Now if you go to Amazon it's completely out of stock. You can't find it on paperback. No, unless you've already had it for years at a time. Um you could find it online PDF and shit. Good luck with that. Not saying it's not out there. Um I have the PDF and I have the paperback, but the paperback is back in Chicago. I think my brother snatched it from me, but either way, I got the PDF. I've always had the PDF. It was in my old one of my old hard drives and um yeah, so anyone no one's going to give you this book for free. <laughs> so don't ask me how much cuz you're not I'm not you're not going to like my price. So don't ask me slot how much for the PDF. I'm like, no, you, you're you not going to like my price. I'll sell you a PDF, you know, like I'll happily sell you a PDF version. It's not going to come cheap, but I'm not here for that. Um, So uh, this is one of those books that nobody ever likes to talk about. Do you understand? Nobody likes to talk about this book because it, it obliterates everybody's um, stand to narrative when it comes to the Slavery shit okay um, A lot of these pro black niggas Don't like this book will never Mention this book will go out of their ways To to dismiss this book There's this book Was not for grand for a reason You know what I'm saying that's not That wasn't a mistake Okay there's a reason why this book is not Available on Amazon Alright um, Anybody worth their weight in gold All the elders have this book all, anybody that's worth their weight in, in, in any type of um, history when it comes to uh, black people have this book. If they don't have this book or they never mention this book in their talking points, they're trash. And I'm talking mainly BGS. Now, once again, I personally have nothing against him. I just don't respect him as an elder. He's not my elder. He's produced three failures for daughters to give to men. Okay. He is a product of failure. His life is a failure. His children, his grown children, are failures. Okay? This man has not given you nothing worth anything, nothing worth to society. The same women you critique and you tell these men to watch out for, you've produced three of these some bitches. All right? You've produced three 87s you've given the world 387s. Nigga, that's a failure. <laughs> this book crushes the entire their entire argument. Their entire argument. So all the greats have mentioned this book, all the old heads um, so what we're going to do, um, like I said there's three main chapters. I'll cover chapter 2 today or tonight rather, and then like a day or two I'll cover chapters. Uh, I think it's five and five and ten. I forget. I got my notes, but um, <laughs> hey, I hope he can't hear it because he's full of shit. See, okay, he came up with it's 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 smart. He came up with a a rating scale for women, it's based off gasoline octane ratings. You know, ninety seven or ninety seven, like it's your gas ratings. Right? What's the high octane? Your ninety eights, ninety sevens, those are like the professional women, your eighty nines and nineties are mid level, and your eighty sevens are basically your basic your basic rats. You know what I'm saying? So, um BGS has produced us three rats, three eighty sevens. He tells you. Right? He's complete and total failure. He's a pro black, right? So that was your first mistake, being a pro-black And still being a pro-black at the age of 60 You know what I'm saying, so um, But let me get into it Um, This is chapter 2 White slaves It's not long But shit You know My sister, hold up I am Tee hee hee right. let me pull it up All right, chapter two, White Slaves. Uh, It's not a a long chapter, but it's, I just, you know, I want people to like, you know, if, I don't wanna read too fast if you missed the notes, whatever the case may be, I'll reiterate some parts of this stuff. It's just really, really, it's a really deep read, right? It's a really deep read and and, uh, and plus I want to bring back balance so i've been i've been dark side for the last two days so now it's time for me to scale it back and be a good guy and restore some balance to the universe so this is my way of restoring balance to the universe by providing information that people may not be privy to or have not been aware of or have forgotten so that's why I'm here today all right so Chapter two of The Forgotten Cause of Slavery White Slaves. <clears throat> Let me get on my Morgan Freeman. There she blows across the wind. <laughs> Yo, when I die, I want Morgan Freeman to narrate my funeral. <laughs> Yeah, when, when, I, when I die, somebody resuscitate Morgan Freeman or get his clone and have him narrate my motherfucking funeral, okay? Alright, and the foreword, okay. <clears throat> like the patriarchs of our old men live all in one house with their wives and their concubines and the mulatto ones, seeing every family exactly resemble the white children. And every lady tells you who is the father of all the mulatto children in everybody's household, but those in her own she seems to think drop from the clouds or pretends to think. That's from Mary Chestnut. So here we go. Uh, regardless of the legal criteria established, oh, we, next is, uh, established for being a white person, it is a fact that many white people remained enslaved under the partis rule. Let me re- I mean, I got to bring that back. Regardless of the legal criteria established for being a white person, it is a fact that many white people remained enslaved under the partisan rule. A most telling observation is, uh, is that of Mary Boykin Chestnut, a Southern aristocrat and wife of James Chestnut Jr., U.S. Senator from South Carolina. An entry in her diary for March 1861 reads, uh, and this is where we get the foreword I just I just read I'm not gonna read it again and she says okay particularly noteworthy is her choice of the word exactly imagine how it must have been for plantation mistresses to see day in and day out white slave children who look the same as their own white children worth noting here is that when Ben Ames Williams edited Chestnut's diary for publication in 1905 he changed the word exactly to the word partly From the wording of the original quotation, one may infer that it was quite common in antebellum households to have white children and white slave children who all looked like each other. Other accounts of white slaves were published during or after the Civil War. Reverend John Augley lived in the South for 11 years and had both white and black congregations. He told of preaching to slaves some with red hair and blue eyes a third of whom were just as white as he was dr alexander milton ross attended a slave auction in new orleans where many of the slaves were much whiter than the white people who were there in lexington kentucky reverend calvin fairbank described a woman who was going to be sold at a slave auction as one of the most beautiful and exquisite young girls one could expect to find in freedom or slavery, being only one-sixth-fourth African. One-sixty-fourth. She was one-sixty-fourth African. After the Union had won the Battle of New Bern, North Carolina, in 1862, Major General Burnside assigned Vincent Coyer to be superintendent of the poor. Coyer expressed disbelief at the complexions he saw the light color of many other refugees is a marked peculiarity of the colored peoples of New Bern. I have had men and women apply for work who were so white that I could not believe they had, a, they had a particular of Negro blood in their veins. The memoirs of Chestnut, Augie Ross, Fairbank and Coyler were published during or after the civil war Many other accounts were published all through the period before the Civil War in which travelers and visitors to the South made note of the white slaves they saw on plantations and at slave auctions. BGS, don't fucking play with me. This is the same man that says you're the result of slave breeding. All right, I'm sorry. Let me get back on. Let me get back on course. All of the accounts which follow were readily available to antebellum readers uh, in the north. John Ferdinand Dalziel Smith was an Englishman who visited America during the early 1770s and had his memoirs published in 1784. While in Maryland, he took notice of female slaves who are now become white by their mixture. There are at this time numbers of beautiful girls, many of them as fair as any living who are absolutely slaves in every sense. Another 18th century traveler was Jacques-Pierre Brissot de Warville, a Frenchman who came to America in 1788 while visiting a school for Negro children in Philadelphia. He saw an octoroon who it was impossible to tell from a white boy, Dr. Jesse Torrey mused on his interesting first experience with white slavery. His book published in 1817 contains the following account. While at a public house in Fredericktown, Maryland, there came a decently dressed white man of quite a light complexion in company with one who was totally black. After they went away, the landlord observed that the white man was a slave. I asked him with some surprise how that could be possible to which he replied that he was a descendant by female ancestry of an African slave. He also stated that not far from Fredericktown there was a slave estate on which there were several white females uh, of as fair and elegant appearance as white ladies in general held in legal bondage as slaves. Several years later, an English traveler in the South named Isaac Holmes spoke of the prom- promiscuous sexual intercourse white men had with the slave women which ultimately produced white slaves holmes made the observation that did not pass judgment to an englishman it may appear strange that a white man of any feeling should be willing to become the father of slaves but it does not look through american spectacles for in the united states there are many who by education and association are gentlemen that are guilty of this shameful practice and the consequence is that in some instances there are slaves who are perfectly white. I'm so late on these comments. I'm not gonna be able to get the comments right now, so just bear with me, y'all. Captain Frederick Marriott was a British naval officer and novelist who traveled through the South in 1837 and 1838. His account at Louisville, Kentucky is noteworthy. I saw a girl about 12 years old carrying a child and aware that in a slave state the circumstance of white people hiring themselves out of service is almost unknown. I inquired of her if she were a slave. To my astonishment she replied in the affirmative. She was as fair as snow and it was impossible to detect any admixture of blood from her appearance. In another experience with white slavery. Marriott came across an advertisement for a local runaway slave uh, which read in part, said boy is in a manner white, would be passed by and taken for a white man. His hair is long and straight, like that of a white person. Being a foreigner and not understanding the concept of one drop mulatto, Marriott commented the expression of in a manner white would imply That There was some shame felt in holding a white man in bondage. The expression in the ad was a description, not a value judgment. Reverend Francis Hawley of Connecticut uh, resided in North and South Carolina for 14 years. His thought provoking account from 1839 offers his telling observation it is so common for the female slaves to have white children that little or nothing is ever said about very few inquiries are made as to who the father is that same year lydia maria child wrote a missouri newspaper proves that a white man may without a mistake be adjudged a slave a case of a slave suing for his freedom was tried a few days since in Lincoln County of which the following is a brief statement of particulars a youth of about 10 years of age sued for his freedom on the ground that he was a free white person upon his trial before the jury he was examined by the jury and two learned physicians all of whom concurred, uh, uh, concurred in the opinion that very little if any trace of Negro blood could be discovered by any of the external appearances. All the physiological marks of distinction which characterized the African descent had disappeared. His skin was fair, his hair soft, straight, fine, and white, his eyes blue, but rather disposed to the hazelnut color, nose prominent, the lips small, his head round and well-formed, forehead high and prominent, ears large the tibia of the leg straight and feet hollow notwithstanding these evidences of his claims he was proved to be a descendant of a mulatto woman and that his progenitors on the mother's side had been and still were slaves consequently he was found to be a slave so in this book they go by the mother's bloodline not the daddy's so hebrew israelites All that, you you are what your daddy is, doesn't fucking matter. But let me continue. The narrative of the fugitive William W. Brown was published in 1847. Brown related how slaves in Hannibal, Missouri, were boarded on a vessel bound for New Orleans slave market. One among them was a beautiful girl, apparently about 20 years of age, perfectly white, with straight light hair and blue eyes, but it was not the whiteness of her skin that created such a sensation amongst those who gazed upon her. It was her almost unparalleled beauty. She had been on the boat, but a short time before the attention of all the passengers, including the ladies had been called to her. And the common topic of conversation was about the beautiful slave girl. Frederica uh, Bremer was a Swedish novelist and humanitarian who, visited the the states from 1849 to 1851 during a trip to Georgia she attended a slave market in Augusta and commented on a number of children she saw there many of these children were fair mulattoes some of them very pretty one young girl of 12 was so white that I should have supposed her to belong to the white race her features too were also those of the whites the slave keeper told us the day before another girl still fairer and handsomer had been sold for fifteen hundred dollars. Elsewhere she observed a pretty white little boy of about seven years of age sitting among the tall negro girls. The child had light hair, the most lovely light brown eyes, and cheeks as red as, as red as roses. He was nevertheless the child of a slave mother and was to be sold as a slave. His price was $350. Also seen were the so-called fancy girls for fancy purchasers. They were handsome fair mulattoes, some of them almost white girls. Traveling the United States about the same time as Bremer was an Englishman named Edward Sullivan. As a foreign visitor, Uh, in in the south Sullivan was uncomfortable with slavery not being based on color I quote I have seen slaves men and women sold at New Orleans who were very nearly as white as myself although it is not actually worse to buy or sell a man or woman who is nearly white than it is to sell one shades darker yet there is something in it more revolting to one's feelings oh my god I'm one of the best to ever do it. I don't give a fuck what nobody says. (laughs) All right. Other accounts from the 1850s also tell of experiences at slave auctions while in Richmond. Uh, uh, Thank you, Conspiracy for the Super Chat, bro. Uh, While in Richmond, an English barrister named uh, Charles Richard Weld observed a woman and her two little children being offered for sale. The three were sold together. She was a remarkably handsome mulatto, Weld wrote, and her children were nearly, if not fully as white as the fairest Americans. But as not but uh, but as no eloquence on the part of the white auctioneer could raise them above eleven hundred dollars, the lot was withdrawn. I was informed the woman alone would have realized more than this amount, but there is a strong aversion against purchasing white Children, This aversion was not universal as illustrated by the Bremer account above and others. During his visit to New Orleans, Reverend Philo Tower attended a slave auction and observed a young woman who was one of the most beautiful I think I ever saw, aged from 16 to 20. Though thinly and cheaply dressed, none could be insensible to her beauty. She was much whiter than many. Nay than most of the Anglo-Saxon ladies of medium size and well-developed. Beautiful black hair, black and sparkling eyes that pierced whatever they darted. Rudely drawing the covering from her neck and shoulders, the auctioneer exhibited a bust as plump and purely white as the snow-tinged image of Venus. She was sold for $2,000. Charles McKay, a Scottish journalist, visited a slave auction where he had the following um, (laughs) memorable encounter. One man to who, to my inexperienced eyes, seemed as white as myself and whom I at once put down in my own mind as an Irishman, one of the purest quality of the county of Cork, got up from his seat as I passed and asked me to buy him. I am a good gardener, your honor, said he with an unmistakable brogue. I am also a bit of a carpenter and and can look after the horses and do any sort of odd job about the house. But you are joking, I said. You are an Irishman. My father was an Irishman, he said. At this moment, the slave dealer and owner of the depot came up. Is there not a mistake here? I inquired. This is a white man. His mother was a nigger. He replied, we have sometimes much whiter men for sale than he is. Look at his hair and lips. There is no mistake about him. McKay was a Scotsman who had experienced a virtually white brogue speaking Irishman as a slave feeling disgusted. He related that he longed to get into the the open air, to breathe the purer atmosphere. A similar reaction to that of McKay was had by a Mr. C identified only by this first initial who visited a slave auction in Georgia with his friend, New England physis- physician Charles G. Parsons. The following is their particularly eloquent and telling account. We saw a handbill in the barroom in which 44 male slaves were, adverted, uh, were advertised for sale. Stepping out into the street, we found those girls sitting on the sidewalks. At the farther end of the row was a very beautiful girl, apparently perfectly white and neatly dressed. The moment Mr. C looked at her, he exclaimed, "'What do you think that white girl is sitting there with those Negroes for?' "'I presume she is a slave, sir,' said I. "'That can't be,' replied Mr. C. "'Just look at her. "'Why, I never saw a prettier girl in my life!' Now, Mr. C had heard that likely quadroons are held as slaves and sold in the market, but he had never believed that a young lady so entirely American, so elegant in form and feature, so intellectual in appearance with pure blue eyes and the perfect red and white Caucasian complexion was in the same degraded condition as the African girl. He was unprepared to believe it. When I said to him, She is a slave, sir. Still incredulous, Mr. C. stepped up to the drover and asked, Is that white girl a slave, sir? That's not a white girl. She's a nigger, sir, replied the drover. What do you ask for her? inquired Mr. C. I was offered eighteen hundred dollars for the last night. I want two thousand for her. Why can that white girl? That isn't a white girl. That's a nigger, sir. I tell you. At the same time, he removed a woolen cap from her head, which exposed a light brown hair, and added, You see, her hair is waved. This is regarded as evidence that African blood is mingled with the white. Mr. C had now become excited, and he exclaimed, Well then... Can that white nigger do more than you, or one of your black niggers, than you ask so much for her? Oh no, replied the drover, and perceiving that Mr. C did not comprehend in the superior value of female beauty to physical ability in a slave, he added, But you know she is a high-priced fancy girl. By heavens, Mr. C replied, T is this bad? And turning me in, with his clenched hands <laughs> raised towards the heavens, he added, I will never say another word against abolitionists so long as God lets me live. With so many white slaves throughout the South, it is not surprising the curiosity would exist as to their ability to escape North and their pass into white society. Such an inquiry was made by Frederick Law Olmsted a reporter for the New York times who traveled extensively throughout the slave States during a visit to the plantation in the spring of 1854. He recorded a dialogue he had with two overseers. One of them pointed out a slave girl while she was working in the field and said, that one is pure white. You see her hair. It was straight and Sandy. It was not uncommon. He said to see slaves so white that they could not be easily distinguished from pure blooded whites. Now, said I, if that girl should dress herself well and run away, would she be suspected of being a slave? I could see nothing myself by which to distinguish her as she passed from an ordinary poor white girl. Oh, yes, you might not know her if you got to the north, but any of us would know her. How? By her language and manners. But if she had been brought up as a house servant, Perhaps not in that case. The other thought there would be no difficulty. You could always see a slave girl quail when you looked in her eyes. Olmsted also took note of the white slaves in a group of people color he saw in Richmond who were dressed in Sunday finery. Nearly a fourth part seemed to me to have lost all African peculiarity of feature. Uh, there, was, there was no indication of their belonging to a subject race, except they were invariably gave way to the white people they met. As explained earlier, the term mulatto could be used to denote a person who even looked white in appearance. The term quadroon or quadroon, even though it literally means one who was three-fourths white when used in New Orleans, could mean the same thing. Visitors to that city commented on the virtual whiteness of many of the so-called quadroons. Isaac Holmes, an Englishman who traveled in America for four years, recollected, though although the term quadroon would infer a person of three-fourths white extraction, yet all between the color of a mulatto and a white acquire in New Orleans this appellation. Some indeed are, to all appearances, perfectly white. George William Featherstar left from Maryland and toured throughout the slave states. He also saw the New Orleans quadroons. A woman may be as fair as any European and have no symptoms of Negro blood in her. Father Stonehaw also stated, but if he can be proved that she, is, she has one drop of Negro blood in her veins, the laws do not permit her to contract a marriage with a white man and as her children would be illegitimate, The men do not contract marriages with them. Reverend Philo Tower from the New England wrote, uh, The life of a mulatto girl or a quadroon, as they called, with some having clear, beautiful, white skin with rosy cheeks, making the very perfections of loveliness and beauty forbidden by the rules of society to hold rank above the lowest black slave. The actor George Vandenhoff said of the New Orleans Quadroon, Some of them showed no tinge of their descent at all, but could boast complexions, not blondes, certainly, but of Anglo-American whiteness. Yet all of these girls had in their blood the faint, the fatal taint of Africa's sun, though in some it was diluted by admixture to an infinitesimal point that required the nicest eye to detect it, if indeed it could be detected at all." Although the first person's eyewitness accounts of white slaves throughout the South have an element of redundancy running through them, it is imperative to keep in mind that they were all contained in books, which were readily available to antebellum readers in the North. Travel accounts made for popular reading, and these books, many of them by famous writers of the day, were no doubt read to the great extent. White slaves, as seen through the eyes of others, brought the issue of white slavery to the awareness of many Northerners who would not have known or been conscious of it otherwise. In addition to travel accounts of white slaves, newspaper advertisements for white runaway slaves made the issue of white slavery that much more real. Although originally appearing in newspapers in the South, they were also collected and published in abolitionist and other literature in the North, literature that was particularly geared toward people interested in ending slavery. Lydia Maria Child published The Patriarchal Institution in 1860 in which she included four pages of advertisements for of white people for for white runaway slaves. Uh, William J proclaimed that people at the North are disposed to be incredulous when they hear of white slaves at the South. And yet little reflection would convince them not only that there must be such slaves under present system, but that in the process of a time, a large proportion of slaves must be as white as their masters. Were there no other sources of information respecting the complexions of the Southern slaves, the newspaper's notice of runaway slaves would almost be abundantly confirm our assertions. The advertisements cited by Jay include the words white man, white boy, white, white, quite white, and clear white. Reverend Charles Eliot included similar advertisements in his book Sinfulness of American Slavery. During 1855 and 1856, the American Anti-Slavery Society published a series of pamphlets, one of which was entitled White slavery in the United States. Three of its eight pages list newspaper notices for runaway white slaves. Nigger. Let me get to, before I finish this chap. This this chapter. This is insane. I haven't read this book in decades. Let me get to these comments. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. What what I miss? What I miss? This book used to be four thousand dollars. This PDF of this book I'm reading used to be four fucking grand. It is no longer available on Amazon. And let me give a quick shout out to Sir Tice. Shout out to Sir Tice. Sir Tice is the is the inspiration for this. Because um, Sir Tice reached out to me on IG. I didn't even know he fo- he even listened to my shit. And uh, we discussed this. And um, so shout out to him, man. Like, yo, I, you know. I'd be talking my shit and, you know, I really don't be thinking motherfuckers be listening to me like that. So, uh, I'm humbled. But he sparked this idea for me because I've never heard anybody actually read the book. Now, I know there's audio books. Don't get me wrong. There's audio books you can find of this shit. I'm just saying I've never heard any you know what I'm saying, like a motherfucker just really open this shit up and read it, you know what I'm saying, like motherfuckers hoard this shit, like motherfuckers are not trying to give you the information out of this book, I mean obviously I remember hearing this book decades ago, like this book man you know, the slavery thing it wasn't wasn't black slaves, it was white slaves and I was just like, really? and then when I finally got my hands on the book and I was like, oh my god yeah, they lied to us, so let me get into the, uh, real quick, the Emancipation Proclamation one of the definitions of emancipation is transfer Okay, I said this before. The Emancipation Proclamation was merely a transfer. It it was a title transfer. Okay, you had to remove the title of slave from white folks and put it sorely on melanated people. That's all that shit was. Don't argue me with, don't debate me with this. I'm just not going to listen to anything else. You understand? I'm just not going to, you're just not going to, you're not you're just you're just not okay um, so let me get back into this let me finish this chapter up and then we can, we'll can we'll, we'll'll we uh, we'll discuss amongst ourselves okay okay okay, here we go. okay, here we go. The suppressed book about slavery written by George Washington Carlton in eighteen fifty seven also contains many such advertisements white slavery was read about in the accounts of travelers who visited the south and in southern newspaper advertisements for white runaway slaves another source of information concerning white slave slavery was articles in newspapers A notable piece entitled White Slaves concerning a white woman and her two children who were offered for sale at a slave auction appeared in 1821 in a Maryland newspaper, the Niles Weekly Register. This woman and children were as white as any of our citizens. Indeed, we scarcely ever saw a child with fairer or clearer complexion than the younger one there was something so revolting to the feelings at the sight of this woman and children. It brought to recollection so forcibly the morality of slave-holding states that not a person was found to make an offer for them, even though many in the South expressed an aversion to buying, a, to buying white slave children. The feeling was certainly not universal. In fact, for some, the pretense of a white mulatto child was unnecessary and children known to be completely white were bought and sold outright. William Chambers traveled to Kentucky and Virginia in 1853 and noted that it is understood that members of purely Anglo-American children pass into slavery. Many of them are carried to the markets of the South where a good price for them can be readily obtained. The White Slaves article is interesting from another standpoint because it questioned the Partis rule. In referring to the white children no one wanted to purchase because of their white color, the article stated the legal maxim of par has made them slaves for life. And the same maxim will make the offspring of these children slaves. Who can think of this and not shudder? Can there not be ought there not be some limitation some bounds fixed to this principle we trust we shall not set or not see a second attempt to sell them in this town an editorial comment followed white is the fashion in the United States and surely some measure should be adopted to cause the color to be respected seeing that we depend so much upon it god damn oh that just gave me chills just gave me chills. Oh wow. What makes this article so unusual is that it was originally published in Kentucky and was reprinted in Maryland, both slave states. Of course, back in 1821, the organized abolitionist movement had yet to really be established and things were relatively calm between the North and South. Such an editorial was no doubt dismissed as harmless dissent. As tension mounted in the decades which followed, however, publishing publishing an article which questioned slavery being based on the Partis rule, the immutable legal principle held universally throughout the South would have been unthinkable. The Chicago Daily Tribune, a popular newspaper, had an interesting article entitled A White Slave in an 1856 issue. A white female slave had escaped from Missouri and was given refuge by two Germans in Illinois. Slave catchers caught up captured the girl and arrested the Germans despite their claim that th- <laughs> that they thought her to be free because she was white. One German escaped the other was jailed. quoting from the Quincy Republican. The newspaper which first reported the story, the Tribune declared, you see the legitimate, the unavoidable fruits of the slave system in our sister state. Do you wish to incur for yourselves or your friends in the territory the penalty of five years imprisonment in the penitentiary for extraordinary crime of being unable to distinguish a white free woman and a white slave? They would send you to prison because you couldn't tell the difference. Wow. Wow. Are you fucking kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? Oh my gosh. Okay, I'm told there's some fuckery in the chat. is there some fuckery in the chat? I'm told there's fuckery in the chat. We are here to learn together as a people. No more fuckery in the chat. Alright, here we go. Anti-slavery newspapers published and read in the North contained articles and accounts of white slavery gleaned from Southern newspapers as well as other references. One interesting item which consistently appeared during the mid and latter 1850s is in the newspaper the Anti-Slavery Bugle. Was an advertisement displaying a list of American Anti-Slavery Society pamphlets each dealing with a particular aspect of the slavery issue white slavery in the united states the second title on the list was concerned uh, was concerned exclusively with the enslavement of white people in the south okay the constant repetition of seeing the words white slavery in the united states week after week after week no doubt had a subliminal effect on readers Items concerning white slaves and white slavery were often printed on the front page. A sampling of such articles included a white girl kidnapped and sold as a slave, which involved being lured to New Orleans under false pretenses. White woman sold as a slave, where Violet Ludlow was sold several times despite her legitimate claim that she was white. A white girl nearly sold into slavery which related how an orphan named Madeline aged about nine years, a lovely girl, delicately formed, white as the purest of Caucasian race, was to be sold at auction, but reprieved uh, by with the intention that a jury shall pass upon her blood. The Sally Miller case told readers about how 11 jurors found the defendant to be a white German. Uh, where's that at? Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. What do you want, Shania? Where's my mom? I don't know if she ran. She went to go get me some meat or get groceries. What? I brought her something. Okay, well, she's not here. Well, I guess I'll keep it. Okay, bye. Say the girl's leaving the building, y'all. Say bye. Bye, y'all. All right, bye. All right. stepdaughter is a real live seated girl for real i have jt and carisha you know like right there (laughs) oh my goodness let me get back to this uh okay the sally miller case told readers about how 11 jurors found the defendant to be a white german girl while one insisted on believing her to be a colored woman, a slave by birth and rightfully the property of the of commandments, the, the an untitled piece related to the story of how a young white boy was kidnapped and was about to be auctioned off when his father appeared on the scene, grabbed him and exclaimed, my child, a slave, a slave. Ha- have you dared to seize and sell a white child? There were other interesting accounts as well. An article entitled Curious Case of White Slavery appeared in the national era wherein a teenage girl with white parents was sold as a Negro slave by her father and was rescued by her mother. And speaking of Georgia, where the event had occurred, the newspaper said this fact proves that white slavery in Georgia is not so uncommon that a case of it likely to excite any remark. Slavery has no prejudice against color. Another piece was entitled White Apparently White Surrendered to Slavery and had to do with a white woman named uh, Pulaski who was claimed as a fugitive slave even though she had been living as a free person for more than 12 years. In an Arkansas white girl sold as slave, Alexina Morrison's lawyer argued that she had not claimed her freedom because she had brown hair or fair skin or blue eyes, but because she had been born free and was kidnapped. Likewise, in white slavery in Alabama, readers were told of a white girl from Georgia named Patience Patience Hicks, who was kidnapped and sold into slavery. Three different accounts were presented in an article entitled White Slavery. And the first, a seven-year-old white boy named Washington, was placed in the care of a Negro woman when his mother became ill. He was subsequently kidnapped and sold into slavery. And the second, an aristocratic Virginia couple had an illegitimate love child named Eliza who was placed in Negro quarters and raised there from infancy. She was subsequently sold as a slave. And the third, a white girl was purchased out of slavery for $400 and then freed. Elwood, Elwood Harvey, a Pennsylvanian, attended a slave auction in Virginia and with some friends and wrote of his visit in a letter which was printed in the Pennsylvania Freeman. The anti-slavery bugle uh, republished the letter in which part read, A white boy, about 12 years old, was placed upon the stand. His hair was brown and straight, his skin exactly the same hue as the other white person's. And no discoverable trace of Negro feature in his countenance. Some coarse and vulgar jests were passed on his color, and five dollars bid for him. But the auctioneer said that is not enough to begin for such a likely young nigger. Several remarked they would not have left him as a gift. Some said a white nigger was worth. I don't know. Some said a white nigger was was more trouble than he was worth. One man said it was wrong to sell white people. He was sold for about $250. Earlier in the letter, Harvey wrote that my friends were not abolitionists before and pitied my, crud- my crudility when I told them the horrors of slavery. But one week in Old Dominion has added two staunch adherents to our cause. I wish every pro- pro-slavery man and woman in the North could witness one slave auction. I, you know what? I don't even need to continue. It's a, I don't even, I don't even need to continue. Listen. <laughs> white people in the North had to go free their brothers and sisters in the South. It had nothing to do with black folk. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Can we please kill this narrative that the Civil War was over black slaves? It was not. It was to free the white slaves. Okay. White folk in the North was not having that shit. You You understand? okay that was a long read but that was chapter 2 and then like I think tomorrow and the next day I'll cover chapters it was some interesting chapters that I really wanted to touch on so let me look it up it's a deep 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 read okay so we did chapter 2 white slaves we're going to cover oh we're going to cover chapter 1 what constitutes a mulatto and then that chapter, they actually give you numbers of slaves brought in, right? And then we'll cover uh, chapter. S- Let me see. We'll cap- We'll cover chapter six, the new white slaves. This is a fascinating read. Fascinating, fascinating. This book was w- it was priced at four grand. Don't ask me to even. Eat- no, you not. I'm going. I'm going to give you a price, and you're not going to like it. Okay? You're gonna you're gonna email me in the back end, slide how much for the for the PDF? You're not gonna like my price. You're not gonna like my price. So don't even don't don't even ask me. Okay? So if the book was worth at one point the book was worth four grand. It went down to a grand. Now you can't find this shit. Now how much you think I'm gonna sell it to you for? <laughs> what information does this book have that changes the narrative? What do you mean? What? Okay, well. I, okay, I get which, why you're asking. I get why you're asking. But that's why I guess information like this only apply, only is only for those that care to get the story straight. Is it going to change the world? No. I I I hear what you're saying, but am I going to have my kid thinking the Civil War was over over black slaves? No. So, um it only matters to those it matters to that's how I'll say this is not it for everybody you know people you know what I'm saying it only matters to those it matters to I'll just leave it at that so but you, yeah you, all them, them pro blacks and all that slave shit them BGS ass niggas don't, don't come looking for me cause I'm gonna hurt your feelings and take all that bullshit elsewhere to the rest of them that like that bullshit so yeah 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 that was pretty much that was pretty much it um, that was chapter two. But like I said, I'll come back tomorrow and the next day, and we'll we'll read more into we'll dive more into the the couple of chapters. And then I'll just leave it alone after that. So, this is definitely going to Patreon if you're asking. So that you know, it's only it's only fair. Um, anything I have missed? Cause I y'all acting a goddamn fool in this <laughs> in this damn chat. <laughs> hey, when I see you, big dog, I see you, I see you, I see you. I'm just looking at these comments. Oh my gosh. Y'all, y'all, some maniacs. Y'all, some maniacs. Y'all done made Nick leave. How did, how does my narration start fights? So, all right. Well, I'm, I'm going to get this, I'm going to wrap this up. This is like, that's all I wanted to do was kind of cover a few pages of this particular chapter. And like I said, I'll come back. Um, the next day, and we'll cover more chapters. But like I said, I've never heard anybody um, actually just like read out of this book. I've never heard, and like I said, I, I maybe I, maybe they have, and I missed it. I never heard the greats. I've heard them talk about this book, and they give notes here and there. But I've never heard anyone like read the out of the book word for word. You know what I'm saying? So, um, my Patreon is super slot seventy five, like everything else. You know what I'm saying? Read me a story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It, like I said, those that want the knowledge and it matters to them, it, it it it'll find its way to them. You know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Have I listened to that so, Nah, I've heard good things about it though. So, um nah it ain't gonna be I mean you, if you're a Patreon member yeah but this is going straight to Patreon like I listen I will never release I'll never put this motherfucker out for free you kidding me this is you're going to, have to pay for this shit like behind the paywall but like like that um yeah go ahead and get out of here enjoy the rest of y'all night and uh we'll be, I'll be back in the next day or two to cover more chapters out of this a fascinating fascinating read like I said it's not available on Amazon you can probably find it somewhere online Um, you know, but don't ask me for, no, not gonna like my price, do me a favor, on your way out, hit the like button, as I, uh, read your spiel, heavily flawed individual, uh, on the wake up radio, com. shout out to my producer Cindy Ashby, I got this motherfucking lucky child, Just goddamn Charlie Rancher. Um, replays can be found on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and Anchor for the replays. Yeah. All right. Y'all have a good night. Peace.